So we're going to look at Acts chapter 2, and we're going to look at the first 13 verses. We looked at this last week, but we're going to look at it from a different point of view. Last week we looked at it and saw how it unified the church. This week we're going to look at the specifically the gift of tongues in this passage. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came and rested on each of them. Okay, hold on a second. That's already a whole bunch of weird, mysterious stuff going on right there. Wouldn't you agree that if all of a sudden they were gathered in one place, maybe they were gathered in a room like this, and all of a sudden a wind comes in. Now, who knows if the windows were were open? They probably were. You know, this is 2,000 years ago. They didn't have the same kind of window system and ventilation that we did, so, so there's, there's probably an allowing. But a, a violent wind well, they might say, well, well that's, not a, that's not too abnormal. Last night, the wind was coming in our direction as a storm was coming towards Spencerville. But hold on a second. It got weirder than just a wind coming in the door. Then what seemed tongues of fire came and rested above them and separated so that each one was above them. Imagine that. Imagine you're sitting in a room, you're waiting on God, you're praying, you're probably praying that the Spirit of God would come because Jesus told them, I want you to wait for the Spirit to come. This is, this is in the Gospel of John. We see Jesus' instructions for them to wait. We see it in this book of Acts itself in chapter 1. We see where Jesus says the Holy Spirit is going to come. And as they're waiting, they see this visual sign this miracle. Okay, it doesn't stop there. Verse 4, all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now, in the Old Testament, this was something that happened. So in their Jewish context, they would know what the Spirit falling on someone meant. But normally, it only fell on one individual. It would fall on the prophet of God. When King Saul was anointed by Samuel, Samuel told King Saul to go and spend time with the prophets and that he would prophesy. And actually, he went and, 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 and kind of went with the prophets and the Spirit fell on King Saul and he acted a little bit like he was... Um, in the spirit, let's just say. What, what, is that, what does that look like? Well, here we see, if we continue to, to read what happens. Now, they were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. And when they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each of them heard them speaking in their own language. Now, this might... This, this is where the crazy comes in. This is, this is where a lot of people who want to have a view of God and of this world, they want everything in order and everything explained. This is where it kind of has to go out the door. You have to believe in a supernatural God when you come and you hear everyone who's speaking, speaking in different languages, and you hear it in your own language. Here, and then it goes on, utterly amazed, they ask all are not all of these who are speaking Galileans. So they should be speaking one language if they're from one area. But then how, verse 8, then how is it that each of them hear in their own native language? 
and then it lists all of the languages that they were hearing. So you imagine you're in a room and you hear this many different languages. Parthians, Medes, and Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, and Cappadocia, Pontus, and Asia, Pergama, and Pamphylia, Egypt, and all and the parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in their own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they ask to one another, what does this mean? This is what, when a miracle happens, when signs and wonders happen, this is what it should cause you to say, what does this mean? What is God doing? There's many languages that they heard there. There were two common languages, right, in that day that, they would, that these people would know. Because they're in Jerusalem, so they would know, most of them being Jews, they would know Hebrew. But then the main language of that day, kind of like English is the language that even if you go to Quebec, you can go, most of them speak French. You could still go there even though you don't speak French because most of them know English as well and you can have a conversation. It was kind of similarly, they spoke Hebrew, but most of the world in that day spoke Greek. And so they would expect to hear those two languages, but when we list here the list of all the different languages, there's way, 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 way more not only do they hear their own language, but what are they hearing? They're hearing the disciples declare the wonders of God. So it's like here a miracle is happening to proclaim that God is a miraculous God. And here they're still wondering, well, what does this mean? <laughs> it means that God's a miraculous God. It means he can do whatever he wants to get a hold of you. Even if there's a language barrier, God's willing to get rid of that language barrier. God's willing to break down any barrier to come after you. Because He loves you. This is an act of love. And it caused them to be amazed and perplexed. Sometimes we have these things in our lives that might amaze us and perplex us about our faith. When God does a miracle in our lives. We were talking earlier about Sam and Jenna having a baby. We call that the miracle of life. When we had our first boy, Joel, I, man, of course, couldn't help but cry, amazed by the miracle of life. Some of you are grandparents now. Those of you who've had the opportunity to just witness new life coming into this world, whether your own children or uh, your grandchildren, or even if you're just an aunt or an uncle, I shouldn't say just, those are important roles within the family. A new life is amazing. And it causes you to break down and be perplexed. And what does this mean? And I think all of these miracles in life, that's something we can relate to, causes us to give glory to God. This is what God wants from us. This is what the, the, the miracle of tongues should be about. The miracle of tongues within the church should be about giving God the glory. Verse 13 says this, though. Some, however, made fun of them and said they've had too much wine. It's interesting. There's another passage in the New Testament where Paul warns people to not drink too much wine. He says, don't be drunk on wine. You've heard that passage. That's why as believers, we believe it's not a good thing to get drunk because the Bible tells us so. Right after that passage, Paul tells the church, instead be filled with the Holy Spirit. Okay, don't be drunk on one, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. 
It's kind of an interesting contrast that here, people thought they were drunk and had too much wine because the gift of tongues had fallen on them. And in my mind, if Paul's saying, hey, don't get drunk on wine, be filled with the Spirit, that, that almost if you were to drink wine and get drunk, it's almost like a counterfeit of being filled with the Holy Spirit. Why do people get drunk? They want to escape the worries of this world often. They want to feel lighthearted and giddy. They want to experience a sensation that is abnormal, outside of the norm. And so that's why people drink and get drunk. They think it's fun. Now, Paul says, instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. And here on the day of Pentecost, they thought they were drunk. So my thinking here is that they must have been happy, excited, a little strange and weird. You know, they were amazed and perplexed. This is a, a strange occurrence to hear all kinds of different languages at once and seeing them in the Spirit. For some of you, maybe you've experienced some moments in your life where you've been filled with the Spirit and it feels very um, exciting. Almost like a bit of uh, ecstasy, you know, a, an ecstatic moment where you feel lighthearted, you feel joyful, you feel that rush of God coming around you and you want to worship God. I believe there's a reason why the Bible contrasts being drunk, which would be a substitute for what God really wants, which is to fill us with His Spirit. And the gift of tongues sometimes accompanies that. 1 Corinthians chapter 14 tells us how we're supposed to deal with this gift. Because here's the controversy. Some people are saying they're getting drunk. We shouldn't get drunk in the church, but we should be filled with the Spirit instead. And so when we see things that we don't understand, it causes these controversies, right? Some people say, I don't believe that's for the church. I don't, I, it's all kinds of confusion, and it must come from the devil, and all of this kind of things uh, I've heard when it comes to the gift of tongues. And in other extremes, I've heard people say, well, you're not really filled with the Spirit until you've had the gift of tongues. And I don't think the Scripture teaches that either. So when it comes to the gift of tongues, some people take extremes of either you don't, you don't have the Holy Spirit unless you have it, or it's not even for today. And I like to take a middle road and believe what the Bible has to say, which uh, if you read 1 Corinthians chapter 14, the last verse, I'm going to read the whole chapter, but the last verse, it says, Therefore, my brother, uh, be eager to prophesy, and do not forbid the speaking in tongues, but everything must be done in a fitting and orderly way. So that's the goal. The goal is that we are unified with this gift, that it's supposed to unify us, and it says, do not forbid the speaking in tongues but everything should be done in a fitting and orderly way. So the, there's an acknowledgement here that, and we're going to read it in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, that tongues can cause confusion. When you hear all kinds of different languages being spoken at once, it could cause people to wonder what's going on. And yet, just because there's confusion doesn't mean we can't learn how to use this gift in an orderly way. Now, we're a free Methodist church. Free Methodist church... Churches teach in our doctrines that this is a gift that can be used today. However, I don't know very many free Methodist churches that actually use the gift of tongues because I do believe there's still a lot of fear around it because we don't, Methodists like things in an orderly way. That's where free Methodists come. I like to emphasize the free 
because I think we should have freedom to use these gifts, but we still need order within these gifts. And sometimes we want so much order, we don't allow the gift to actually be utilized. And I'd love to see these gifts and these supernatural workings happen within our church. Some of you hear me say that and maybe a little makes you a little nervous. Well, what would that look like? How would it sound? Well, you know, it's going to freak people out. I like the way my church is already ordered in its service. Well, there is a way to do this, and we're going to read it in Scripture here in 1 Corinthians chapter 14. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 1 says, Follow the way of love and eagerly desire spiritual gifts, especially the gifts the gift of prophecy. For anyone who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men but to God. Indeed, no one understands him. He utters mysteries with his spirit. So if you're wondering, what is the gift of tongues? It's, it's this supernatural event that happens within you when your spirit, the spirit with this inside of you, utters mysteries in a language that you cannot understand. It's a really strange occurrence because when we speak, we often want to speak what we know. But when the Spirit of God comes upon us and tongues comes out of your mouth, you're speaking something you don't even know. Strangest thing happened. And this is why the Apostle Paul here is saying we should first eagerly desire the gift of prophecy. He goes on and continues. He says, Every, he, says he who speaks in a tongue edifies himself, but he who prophesies edifies the church. I would like every one of you to speak in tongues, but I would rather you have you prophesy. He who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues unless he interprets so that the church may be edified. What's he saying there? Listen, if you start to speak in tongues, not everybody's going to understand. When someone prophesies, now prophesy is still speaking the mysteries of God, but it's speaking it in a language that people all understand. So if everyone's going to understand, it's better for the church if I speak, you, you understand my language. Is it not better that than if I start speaking to you in a language that you might not know? But if you speak the mysteries of God in a language that you don't, do not know, it still builds yourself up. That's what he's saying here. Speaking in tongues, he still desires that people speak in tongues, but he desires that they do that so that they can build themselves up. But if you want to build up the church, it's better to prophesy. Verse 6 says, Now, brothers... If I come to you and speak in tongues, what good is it will I, will I be to you unless I bring you some revelation or knowledge or word of prophecy or word of instruction? Even in the case of lifeless things that make sounds, such as a flute or harp, how will anyone know what tune is being played unless there is a distinction in the notes? Again, if the trumpet does not sound a clear call, who will be ready for battle? So it is with you. Unless you speak intelligible words with your tongue, how will anyone know what you are saying? You will be just speaking into the air. Undoubtedly, there are all sorts of languages in the world, yet none of them is without meaning. If then I do not grasp the meaning of what someone is saying, am I a foreigner to the speaker? And he is a foreigner to me. So if so, so it is with you, since you are eager to have spiritual gifts, try to excel in the gifts that build up the church. For this reason, anyone who speaks in a tongue should pray that he may interpret what he says. For if I pray in a tongue, I pray with my, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. So what shall I do? 
I will pray with my spirit, but I will also pray with my mind. I will sing with my spirit, but I also sing with my mind. If you are praising God in your spirit, how can you how can one who finds himself among those who do not understand say amen to your thanksgiving since he does not know what you are saying? You may be giving thanks well enough, but the other man is not edified. Stop there for a second. So what's he saying? He's saying, if we want to build each other up, it's important that we understand. Not that you shouldn't speak in tongues, but if someone were to speak in tongues, we should also pray that there's an interpretation. He's talking to a church that eagerly desires spiritual gifts. I believe I'm talking to a church, and not just us, our church here, but the church in North America, which is completely different than if I were to preach to a church, say, in Africa, that is very shy when it comes to spiritual gifts. Supernatural workings of God are not something that we readily see in the North American church. We'd rather plan out everything perfect and have it in an orderly way so we understand everything that's going on. And so when he, when Paul is writing to that church, it's a church that embraces the supernatural, that embraces the gift of tongues, and he's saying, hey, listen, if you're going to allow this gift to happen, you need to calm it down, and you need to make sure that there's an interpreter, and you should actually desire to prophesy in the language so that people can understand. And I believe we've gone so far in that direction in North America that we never even hear any tongues anymore. And yet Paul is saying, still desire the gift of tongues. How often have you heard a sermon, I don't even know if I've pre- preached a sermon on this topic, where it says, eagerly deserve the, uh, desire the gift of tongues. Have you ever heard of your pastor say, eagerly deserve, desire the gift of tongues? This is what Paul's telling the church. Desire tongues. You should want it. And yet we read the passage around it, which is telling us to make sure that there's an interpretation, make sure that if you do desire a gift, you should also desire it to be to build up the church. And I, I'm full agreement with that. That's what the scripture says. We should want a gift that actually builds up the church and that we understand. But we shouldn't throw, pardon the expression, especially on a day where we're celebrating a baby coming into the world, uh, we don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. We don't say just because we don't want chaos in the church, we should never speak in tongues. He still wants us to desire the supernatural gift. It's a supernatural gift that causes us to be amazed in the glory of God. Why would we want to throw away a gift that would cause us to be amazed in the glory of God? You know what I see in the church? A lack of amazement in the glory of God. Our churches aren't filling up because there is a lack of amazement. I want to be amazed by the things that God does. And so even though, yes, I desire prophecy, yes, I want to see things happen in an orderly way. I don't want people coming in here and everybody shouting at the top of their lungs in their own language so that nobody understands what's going on. Trust me, I don't want that. But I don't also want to forbid the speaking of tongues and I want to teach us to say, if God's going to do this in in our church, we're going to let him. We're going to give him permission to do what he wants to do. And if someone speaks in a tongue, we're going to pray that an interpretation happens so that why? So the church can be built up together. We need to be built up, especially after the past few years. We need a rebuilding of the church, and we need to allow the Holy Spirit to do it the way he wants to do. Verse 18 says, I thank God that I speak in tongues more than all of you. See, 
Paul wasn't really trying to say, don't speak in tongues. He was just trying to say, hey, listen, we need order in the church. He still thanked God that he spoke in tongues more than anyone else. But in the church, I would rather speak five intelligible words to instruct others than 10,000 words in a tongue. And so there's going to be a difference. When the Holy Spirit comes on people and they speak in tongues, sometimes it's not going to happen in the church. Because in the church, we need to have understanding. We need to have good teaching. We need to um, have order in our service. We don't want chaos here when we're gathered together in the congregation. However, in your own private life, it sounds like Paul prayed all the time in the Spirit. And what I mean in the Spirit means he didn't know the words he was praying. So I encourage you to ask the Holy Spirit to come upon you in a way where you might pray in a way that you wouldn't even understand what you're praying, and, you're, they, and yet your spirit is praying. Verse 20, brothers, stop thinking like children. In regards to evil, be ifits, but in your thinking, be adults. In the law it is written, through men of strange tongues, and through the lips of foreigners, I will speak to this people. But even then they will not listen to me, says the Lord. Tongues then is, uh, are a sign not for believers, but for unbelievers. Prophecy, however, is for believers, not for unbelievers. So the whole church comes together and everyone speaks in a tongue. And some who do not understand or some unbelievers come in, will they not say that you are out of your mind? But if an unbeliever or someone who does not understand comes in while everybody is prophesying, he will be convinced by all. He is a sinner and will be judged by all. And the secrets of his heart will be laid bare. So he will fall down and worship God, exclaiming, God is really among you. What's he saying there? He's saying, listen, this gift was meant to speak to people in their own language so that they would come to know God. So that, here's a crazy scenario, what if I decide to go to the Philippines, and Leela and I are walking down the streets in the Philippines, and I have no idea what she's saying to all her family, but I want to speak to them about Jesus and God. And all of a sudden, the Spirit comes upon me, and I can now speak Filipino. Wouldn't that be an amazing miracle? This is what the Bible is saying the, the gift of tongues is for. That's not to say you can't pray in your spirit to build yourself up. So I see two different reasons why you might preach and speak in tongues. One would be an amazing scenario like I just described, hypothetical. Even though I've heard scenarios like that, actually Pastor Liz told me of one this morning. She had a friend who did not believe in the gift of tongues. A Christian woman who said her church taught her it's not a thing. She goes to a conference where they do believe it's a thing. And she hears it. And at first she's hearing it and she's like, ah, I don't believe this. It's not from God. Why are they doing that? All of a sudden, she starts hearing and understanding. They're still, they're still speaking the same language, and she understands this language, what they're saying. And then she thanked God and praised God along with them, and all of a sudden, she could no longer hear them and understand them anymore. For a moment, she was given the gift of interpreting that tongue. And so she knew tongues could be a real thing. So there's moments where God displays that glory for, for unbelievers so that they might believe, and then there's other moments where you might do it to build up in your spirit and pray in your spirit. But, but the Apostle Paul is telling the church, 
when we gather together, it's really important that we understand each other. Because someone might come in and be like, well, and I've been in a service like this, where someone gets up and starts speaking in a language I don't know, and it just feels confusing. And so he's saying it's better that we understand each other when we're gathered together, but there might be situations outside of this building, outside of our gatherings, where you should want to speak in tongues. Verse 26, what shall we say, brothers, when you come together, everyone has a hymn, a word of instruction, a revelation, a tongue, or an interpretation. All of, all of these must be done for the strengthening of the church. If anyone speaks in a tongue or two or three, people should ask, uh, should speak one at a time, and someone must interpret. If there is no interpreter, the speaker should keep quiet in the church and speak to himself and God. Um, there was one time in the church where I spoke in tongues. I was preaching on the day of Pentecost, uh, and all of a sudden, as I was trying to explain what was happening, I couldn't speak anymore. And out of my mouth came like a babble, like, uh, you know, like a, a tongue. People couldn't understand what I was saying. And the one thing I regret, I remember actually feeling that filling of the Spirit of God and feeling that, that love pour into me and, and that ecstasy. And I fell to my knees in worship of God. And uh, actually, a friend of mine came and he works in the fireplace business. He sells fireplaces. And he came and he put his hand on me to pray for me and I, because he could see that I was overwhelmed in the spirit. He said he touched my back and he felt like my back was on fire. This coming from a man who deals with fire regularly. Another man was at the back of the church and he was going to go and uh, set up his dessert for potluck. It needed some blueberries on his blueberry cheesecake. I remember these specific details. Uh, and, he, and as he was going to go put some blueberries on the cheesecake, the Holy Spirit told him, I don't want you to leave. I want you to see what's going to happen. And I did not plan on speaking on tongues that day. It just came upon me. The one thing I regret is not following this passage. I wish I would have asked for an interpretation. Because here I spoke in tongues, and I believe it was a sign for our church that, at that time that, that this is a real thing, that this still happens today, and it can happen for us. But I, I believe there could have been even more meaning behind that. And actually... Some years down the road, someone actually told me that he had an interpretation at that, in that meeting. He forgets what it was after the fact, but I wish I would have asked in that moment. And that's what, how we're supposed to deal with this if it happens. One, it says here clearly that one person should speak at a time. Second would be that there's an interpretation. I believe that wouldn't be a scary thing. I've been in churches where everybody's speaking all at the same time in a different language, and it's confusing, and it is scary. But I believe that the way the Apostle Paul lays it out here, that if someone got up and spoke in a different language, and we asked for an interpretation, and then someone gave an interpretation that gave glory to God, I believe that it would build up the church. And so, by saying that, I actually give you permission. That if that were to come upon you, uh, it would be weird and strange, because it hasn't happened since I've been here, and I've been here over five years, and it was weird and strange when it happened through me. Don't think that it was a normal thing that when it happened. It was weird and strange, but I loved it, to be honest with you, because I could feel the presence of God. And that matters more to me than how it looked. Um, I'm going to stop. You can read the rest of the chapter if you want. It talks about how important order is in the church. 
Um, and again, that's why it ends with, therefore, my brothers, be eager to prophesy and do not forbid the speaking in tongues, but in everything should be done in a fitting and orderly way. This is the message of 1 Corinthians chapter 14. This gift is for the church. It is should be used when the Holy Spirit comes among us, but it needs to be done in a fitting and orderly way. Here's my encouragement. I, I do want you to desire this gift from the Holy Spirit. If we want to be filled with the Holy Spirit, we should be open to this. I'm not going to preach and say that you're not filled with the Spirit unless this happens. I believe the church has, uh, parts of the church have said that, and it has hurt a lot of people by saying that. But I think it has also hurt the church when we've said it, it doesn't happen because I think you miss out on something. I remember being in Bible college. I was about 18 years old. Maybe it was my, actually, I think it was my last year of Bible college. So I was uh, 20 years old at that time. And I was just wanting more of God. In classes at Bible college, I was getting the orderly, uh, systematic theology that kind of explained how we understand God. You know, theology being the study of God. If you hear someone talk about God in a very educational way, sometimes that can bore you. And But yet in my spirit, I was wanting more of God. I was wanting more of the supernatural. I was wanting to understand God in many different ways. And so I started praying to God, if this gift of tongues is from you, I want it. Now, I've heard of preachers saying, if you want the gift of tongues, just start doing this. And they start babbling and expect everybody else to start babbling like you. And I think that's almost fake. I wouldn't say it's always fake because I'm sure there are times where God does show up, even as a preacher might say that. But I don't like it. Uh, Pastor Liz has had this experience uh, herself. She's desired tongues and someone led a service that way. And she said, it's not for me to go about it that way. However, when I was in Bible college and I was wanting, and I prayed this prayer, I was in my top bunk in my dorm room, laying there by myself, praising, worshiping God, asking for this gift. Actually, I think I'd been asking for it for a while and someone told me it might come at any moment. You think you want it in a church service in front of everyone, but God might want to have a special moment with you. And my special moment was in the evening, in my top bunk of my dorm room, laying down with my hands up in my bed, praising God, and all of a sudden, a language that I don't even know started coming out of me. And it's a language that sometimes I will still pray with from time to time. Actually, I probably should do it more because I want to be filled with the Spirit more. And for me, that is one way that I can use to pray with my Spirit and to communicate with the Holy Spirit and to invite the Holy Spirit. And so um, for those of you who've had this experience, you know what I'm talking about, and you might desire to have that happen more frequently. And for some of you, you maybe it's never happened to you. And I would encourage you to be like my 20-year-old self and just desire more of God. And say, God, if this is something you want to do in me, I give you permission. And just wait until something comes out of you. And trust that it's the Holy Spirit. Remember what Jesus said about the gift of the Holy Spirit? He said, a good father gives good gifts. If you ask for the Holy Spirit, I'm not going to give you a snake. I'm not going to give you a, a, a stone. 
A good father gives good gifts, and I'll give you the Holy Spirit. And so sometimes people are so afraid that something else will come upon them. If you know God, if you claim Jesus is Lord, the Bible says if you claim Jesus is Lord, then the Spirit of the living God already lives inside of you. So why be afraid, if you claim Jesus is Lord, of the Holy Spirit to give you the gift of tongues? So I'm, I know this might stretch some of you in your faith if you've never experienced this before because it's weird to enter into this supernatural idea of God speaking another language through you, a heavenly language, a language that communicates with God when you don't even understand what you're communicating. But what I'll tell you is what happens is this. You ever have sensations or emotions that you cannot describe? You know, like you're talking to someone, I'm about here, and I say, honey, I, I want to describe to you this experience I had, but uh, it was so overwhelming, I can't even put it into words. You ever had a sensation like that? A good example would be like what I was saying before about having our newborn baby. You have a baby for the first time, you're so filled with joy, you're like, it's the best thing you can ever do. You ever talk to people who've never had babies and you're like, uh, you might be afraid of this and it is scary, but it's worth doing and I can't even explain how, why it's worth doing and they're looking at you like you're crazy. That's kind of like this. And so when you have those feelings upon you, Tongues is like getting that out of you. It's like now I'm praising God. I'm not using a language that I even know, but what I'm doing is I'm communicating God those emotions that I don't even understand. I can't describe it. I'll let God describe it through a different language. It is weird, <laughs> but it's beautiful. I don't want to scare you away from it. I want to encourage you to eagerly desire it. But I also want you to not be ashamed if it's never happened. Pastor Liz uh, shared with me her experience of being in church services where it was something that they were trying to encourage and so they would make up the words for the person and I don't think that's how it works and it put her off to the gift of tongues and so she has not yet spoken tongues and yet she eager, still desires it. Listen, I'm no more holy than Pastor Liz. Pastor Liz and I are both human beings who love Jesus. We're in the eyes of God. There's no favoritism, the Bible tells us. So just because I've had that experience and she hasn't doesn't mean that God loves me more than her. Or Amy Beth, because I know my wife hasn't spoken in tongues either. And yet, as someone who has, why wouldn't I say, hey, desire it. It's a cool thing if it happens to you. And so there's no judgment Yet, I'd love for our church to embrace the supernatural, whether it be tongues, prophecy, signs of wonders, healings. Who doesn't want to? I mean, we pray for healings every week, don't we? But why would we ask for healings and not ask for other things that would glorify God, right? I think that's what God wants to do. He wants to give us it all, not just a little bit. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, I pray that what I've communicated to you today comes from you. Pray that you would use these words from your, from your word, God, to give us a desire to experience more of you. Whether it be tongues or prophecy. We're just to experience you and the mystery and amazement that you can offer us.
Lord, I want to be amazed by you. I want to see your hand at work in the church. And yes, Lord, I want to see people saved. I want to see people repent. I want to see people baptized. But I don't want to limit what you can do. So I pray that you would fill us with your Holy Spirit. And if you desire to give us the gift of tongues, you can do that. And if you want to do it in a church service, you can do that. If you want to do it like I experienced it for the first time, laying in bed at night, you can do that. You can do it however you want. We give you permission to move in our lives. We love you, God, and we trust you. And we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.